On today's episode, another Pro Runner Spotlight with Dave McNeil. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me undertrained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. had the privilege of sitting down with Dave to talk about all things running. Um, Dave is uh, an Olympian. He's made it to three Olympics in the 5K and 10K. Um, He has a 5K PB of 13 minutes and 12 seconds. Holy smokes. And a 10K PB of 27 minutes and 45 seconds. So we're talking serious stuff. And Obviously, that's why he's made it to the Olympics. Um, so we dive into his career. He is also a physio. He's also a running coach. So plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, we dive into his career, his highlights, his challenges with injuries, uh, which he's had a long string of, and how he's learned along the way. As usual with our uh, pro runner spotlights, we have diving into his training structure, but with something like a shorter event such as the 5k instead of these marathoners I've been interviewing. I wanted to talk about a bit bit about mid-race tactics, his warm-ups, um, his strategies and queuing when it comes to the races and at the end talking about some tips to run a faster 5k which might surprise you. So um, let's dive into my conversation with Dave. Dave, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I think this is going to be a... Um, a very long drawn out question with an introduction because you have a lot of stuff that um, I'm very interested in. But for those who aren't familiar with you, would you mind just giving people a bit of an intro in terms of your physio and running career? Yeah. So um, yeah, I guess now, nowadays I, I've got a few different hats on. It used to be a few less hats. Um, <laughs> I've been, uh, yeah, I guess you would say an elite level runner for, probably the better part of the last, you know, 15 years. Um, and, and for a big chunk of time, that's, that was kind of the, my, certainly the, the area of my life that probably put, uh, most of my energy into, um, now I find it's being distributed, uh, uh, among a few different little things, but, um, yeah. So nowadays I also work as a physio and, um, and have a, uh, I guess a, a, a run coaching business called Northside Collective, which, um, yeah, I guess is a, uh, yeah, community first, um, approach to, uh, yeah, building more capable and connected runners. So, um, that's kind of my, my passion project and, um, something I'm, yeah, sort of exploring and, and, um, and, and is evolving along the way. And, and physios kind of fit in um, nicely with my running career. I always kind of joke that 
I ended up as a physio um, by, by doing a very long drawn out um, apprenticeship as an athlete <laughs> and, um, and then sort of later on, yeah, went and did the formal qualifications. But um, yeah, I guess as a physio, that's, that represents a, a large chunk of what I do is probably more in the running space and, and working with runners. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a good balance and I'm still, still have aspirations to run at a high level and still training, um, you know, like, like I, uh, <laughs> like I might still have a chance, <laughs> not sure if I do, but, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a snapshot, I guess. And in terms of your running career, um, for those who haven't followed you, what have, what's your career like? What's it developed into? What sort of events and, um, accolades do you have? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been really fortunate. I've been to three Olympics, so um, all on the track. Um, uh, I went to London in the 5K, um, Rio in the 10K, and then, um, yeah, returned to Tokyo in the 5K as well. So um, that's very much where my, my career has been focused is those sort of longer distances on the track, um, dabbling into shorter distances and, and then, you know, uh, have done a, a couple of half marathons as well. So, um, but yeah, that's, I've, I've had a, uh, a, in some ways quite fortunate career. Um, uh, and, and in, in, in other ways, um, uh, I guess an injury riddled career, but fortunate in the sense that, um, I've, I've managed to stay healthy and, um, put things together in, in, in years where it's really counted and, um, yeah, I've been really fortunate to, yeah, to have gone to three Olympics. Um, there's in between each of them, there's been, um, a lot of injury and, and, um, missed out on a lot of running and international opportunities in between. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I guess at the, in the grand scheme of things count myself pretty fortunate because some people don't, um, don't get it, uh, you, you don't always get to choose when, when you get injured and when you're, when you're running at your best and, um, and when you're peaking and I've been fortunate to, yeah, get it right at the right times. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of probably the, the highest levels I've kind of gotten to. Um, it feels like a long time ago, but I, I did run in college in, in the U S and, and had some success there as well. Um, and won a couple of NCAA titles, um, but yeah, it feels like a, feels like half a half a career ago. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of probably the 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 highlights that I guess people would resonate with from a yes from a, a high performance perspective. Um, a couple of Commonwealth Games and a few World Cross Countries, and um, yeah, excellent. It's always like. The funny thing about the Olympics is like, cause it comes around every four years. Like you say, you, you may be injured. You may like be training solely focusing on Olympics. And then just in that time around that time, it might coincide with an injury or might coincide with an illness or, you know, for whatever reason, you're just not peaking in that right form. And then, you know, how many people can try to go and train at a high level to get to the next Olympics. It's, it really needs to coincide. And like you say, consider yourself quite lucky, which is a good frame of mind to have. Um, you did mention the being riddled with injuries. What's, what's on your injury list? What have been like the, the significant ones? Yeah, I, I would say the vast, vast majority of mine have been bone stress injuries. Um, and, um, you know, I guess it's a, um, certainly a, a more topical 
um, discussion point in, in, in the world of, um, you know, running related injuries, but certainly, um, a relative energy deficiency was, has been a, probably a key theme, um, you know, of, of developing those injuries, you know, wouldn't necessarily have known that or understood that early on, but, um, yeah, across my career, it's, yeah, it's been, yeah, a lot of bone stress injuries. Um, not, not too many, um, yeah, sort of ten tendony, um, or, or or joint joint uh, joint problems, which, yeah, I guess is fortunate. But um, yeah, the the uh, I guess that's the the downside of of um bony injuries is there's, there's not much you can do about about it when it happens. Sometimes, or well, most of the time, it's um yeah, you just have to click 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 pause on on uh on you know your preferred your preferred method of training which is running um and uh and so that's yeah that's that's kind of what it's come down to and um i um i guess i've i've probably undergone a um yeah bit of a turning point i hope um in my sort of understanding of um you know why i've gotten injured over the years i think um yeah, each time you, each time, and I think this goes beyond injuries, but I think it looking a bit more holistically and, you know, probably beyond just running. But I think when we make mistakes, um, you know, there's always an opportunity to learn something. And uh, I think if I've learned anything from the many mistakes I've made is that um, it, you rarely make a mistake once. You usually make it a few times and you just find a new way to, to make that mistake. And and I guess the learnings then become a little bit more nuanced each time, and um, and each time you you pick up something that you you may have missed the last time, and um, I guess in some ways I'm I'm fortunate to have gone through um, you know so many of the same injuries, so it's certainly something that I um, I like to think I, I probably understand um, at least reasonably well, and and um, certainly haven't left many stones unturned in in terms of understanding what, what contributes to them. And, um, yeah, look, I, I, um, I joke about that. I, I kind of did a, a long apprenticeship as an athlete to become a physio. And, um, you know, that's a lot of what I see in, in clinic as well as, um, is a lot of these overuse injuries, particularly bone stress ones. And, um, yeah, it's, I think certainly when you're looking at bone stress injuries, it, yeah, you're looking through a bit more of a holistic lens. It's not always just um, biomechanics and, and load management. Um, you know, as as I've found, there's um, it, there's the the medical side of things and the 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 diet side of things, and um, and then just the you know we sometimes look at load management just through a a training lens, but um, stress is stress on the body, and then you know when you're you're working as well or you have family or um, you have other commitments outside of your 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 chosen endeavor um, you know as I said stress is stress so sometimes you're kind of juggling a few different different factors to to get to um, yeah point of understanding and 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 hopefully progression as well yeah I'm glad you you uh, remind people of that as well to look at things holistically and the attitude that you have about learning from each of these experiences and trying to learn as quickly as possible because yeah we can repeat the same mistake over and over but um at some stage we hope that there are some insights there are some lessons for us to change how we 
think moving forward and for the most part like most injuries are, are due to training errors and we can try and pick out some training errors and even if you are injured and you have a flare-up okay we can learn from every flare-up what was it in there that might have caused it and in relation to say your bone stress injuries if you can't if you've done all the sensible things in terms of training it's like okay well let's broaden our scope uh let's have a look at diet let's have a look at sleep let's have a look at um stress and all those sorts of things um you bring up an interesting point about the um the red s sort of stuff and essentially meaning that your energy output the what what you're putting out you're not getting enough in and subsequently the body's starting to look for extract minerals to try and you know create some more output, create some more energy for the amount of volumes of training that you're doing and does so to the detriment of organs and bones and other tissues in the body because it's trying to extract the energy. Um, what was your thinking process at that time? Were you just none the wiser with under-fueling yourself or was it a deliberate effort to try and remain as light as possible or just copying what other people were doing? What was the, the attitude around that? Yeah, I mean, in my in my case, it was it was very unintentional. Um, there was uh, I've throughout my career, um, I've always been a, a lighter, wispier sort of runner, and um, you know, uh, if if anything, putting on putting on weight has always been a challenge for me. But being a distance runner. Um, you know, it was never something that I gave much thought to um, putting putting on weight, um, and you know, I probably was first introduced to the possibility that this was a significant contributing factor to why I kept developing these injuries back in twenty eighteen, um, and and that was probably the first time I, um, yeah, sort of was introduced to this more holistic approach to to managing bone stress injuries just outside of, you know, um, load management and, and strength and, um, biomechanics and things like that. Yeah. But that's probably been, I think the big turning point for me, particularly this year, um, is that, and we sometimes, we sometimes laugh about this, particularly, you know, in a more of an online world and, um, through social media, um, you know, there's there's plenty of meme accounts. Um, I I'm uh, I'm certainly a big fan of of heaps good runners, which is a, um, a a meme account that pokes fun at the peculiarities of of, of distance runners. But I think um, I think that's that's a really good il- illustration of you know we can see these character traits that <laughs> I think a lot of distance runners probably share. You know, obsession with with mileage and getting the Sunday long run in and, and all of these things and, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's and so, so on and so forth. And, and often to the detriment of, you know, what's sensible, a sensible approach to, you know, a niggle pop popping up or an injury popping up. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've understood and, and, and considered all of these factors for a number of years. Um, but when you're, uh, my probably biggest ta- downfall, which kind of got in the way of actually putting all of that knowledge and understanding into practice, was um, was probably the emotional side of things. When when you try to self manage things, um, you you and and without that sort of thirty thousand foot view, it's very easy in the in the throngs of training 
um, to say to yourself, nah, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay this time. I'm not going to get a stressy this time. It'll work this time. Um, which, you know, in the end, it, it just eventually becomes stupidity, <laughs> um, you know, re- repeating these things and expecting a different outcome. And, and that's essentially what I was doing. So um, I think, you know, beyond sort of, you know, understanding and, and, um, and, and starting to kind of tap into that sort of holistic approach to um, injury management and, and really just staying healthy was, was um, trying, was stopping the self-management. And that's, you know, I guess one of the pitfalls of being a, being a clinician and and being a, um, an elite athlete is, is the temptation to kind of self-manage things and, um, and, and the risk is always is that without that 30,000 foot view or without that, um, that sort of really objective outside of you, um, it's very easy to miss things. It's very easy to, um, tell yourself, no, I'm different. <laughs> this won't, this won't happen to me. Um, and so, yeah, that like my, my approach to, to sort of my running career this year is, is very much been to, um, outsource um all all the decision making and and actually really um really building a a, you know a multidisciplinary team around me you know we we in in that sort of that health sphere and as as physios we we kind of know how beneficial that can be for improving outcomes for for someone whether they're an athlete or or whether they're you know a post-surgical um patient or um and you know it's it's really easy if you if you're in an elite sports setting um you know such as you know afl or 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 big team sports where um kind of that multidisciplinary team is built into everything that you do um it's not necessarily the case for for all runners um and particularly if you're you're not um you know in in a state sporting institute or or um you know as part of a, a professional team um such as exists probably a little bit more in the US um and overseas. Um but you know I I knew that worked and so I, I've I really have made an effort this year to um to cr- kind of try and create my own multidisciplinary team. Um and you know it's taken a little bit of effort to kind of coordinate conversations between different clinicians but um and at times it's, it's also, um, it's really hard to do because you, um, you feel guilty at times for, um, I think, yeah, um, wanting and, and needing so much from people. But, um, I think I've spent all my career with people reaching out and always offering to help. And I've spent way more time kind of saying, no, I'm okay. It's all good. Thanks. <laughs> um, and I'm finally saying, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Would appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's it's really paid off, and and I've gotten much better at letting go. And I think that's the that's probably the other main major ingredient is you can know all of these things and and know that um, injuries are, are multifactorial. Um, but you know, then you've got to figure out a system to actually put into practice all the things that are help, going to help you across the line and. Sometimes it might just need a physio um, and, and sometimes you might need, um, you know, other players in the mix to, to come to the table, coaches, um, you know, sports physicians, dietitians, um, all the like.
So who is on your team? Like, I want to get into your training and that sort of stuff, but just quickly, I wouldn't mind um, knowing what the yeah you've managed to recruit. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, from a a running perspective, I've 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 been a a member of the Melbourne Track Club for the last um, yeah at least ten years. Um, And so, for you know, most of that time, um, Nick Bido's been been my coach. Um, More more recently. Collis Birmingham's probably been taking um, a, a, a probably a larger role in the coaching side of things, and um, and but so that's that's kind of I guess the just the run side of things. But um, you know, when I, at the end of last year I had a, um, a sacral bone stress injury, and that was kind of the um, I wouldn't say it was rock bottom, but it was getting pretty close to rock bottom <laughs> for me. So. Um, I, I, I really knew that I needed to do things differently this time around. And, um, I was, I was, you know, just, I guess a little bit by chance, but I'd, I'd been to a, um, a PD event in, um, about 18 months ago at, um, Melbourne CBD physio and, and met, um, Nick Cross there, who's a, um, physio with a, I guess a bit more of a special interest in foot and ankle and, and, and certain, certainly, um, it, it, certainly an interest in the, the running, the running sphere. And, um, and so, you know, fast forward eight, nine months and, um, you know, my third bone stress injury of the year. And, um, you know, I, I had a, a, a pretty frank conversation with him and said, I, you know, I want to do things differently. And, um, Nick's a pretty straight shooter and, and said, I'll help you. But, um, you know, <laughs> no fucking about, <laughs> yeah. there's no, uh, you know, if, if, if I, if I, if we plan something, I, I expect you to do it. And so, um, I was, I, I didn't need much convincing because, um, I was sick of being on the sidelines, but so that was kind of, um, my that was kind of the first additional piece in into the into the puzzle um richie johnson was another physio at at melbourne cbd and someone i'd known for a, a few years just through running circles he's a um he's a runner himself and um a physio at the melbourne storm um rugby team but he um he'd done his phd essentially in um in in training load ma- management in endurance athletes so this stuff was his bread and butter. Um, and, um, during a lot of this year, particularly while I've been rebuilding, um, putting new, um, practices into practice, um, Richie's kind of filled a bit of a a coaching role for the last sort of four or five months while, um, while Nick and Collis have been overseas, um, just to have someone, you know, a little bit closer to home, um, uh, familiar with my rehab and, and my injury history, um, and to, to be able to make some coaching and training decisions based, based on that with a little closer understanding of what's going on. So I kind of had two, I've kind of had two physios in the mix. Um, um, I guess now, um, Nick kind of does more of the S and C side of things and then Richie, a little bit more of the load management side of things. Um, I, I'd consulted Jess Rothwell, um, back in 2018. Um, when I went, when I'd first kind of started to, um, 
yeah, look look outside of the just the load management and the the strength and biomechanics side of things. And so we we reconnected and and when we did, I you know I it's like anything you if you um, if you've got something going on and you you're seeking professional help, um, you know you're never going to solve anything in in one session. So um, you know I I kind of like straight off the bat booked in with her every month for about six months and 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 made sure that I had someone that was keeping me accountable like I knew I knew that I was under fueling and I I knew what I needed to do to um, kind of get that balance back in check but that was probably the hardest thing and and continues to be the hardest thing that I do um, is is eating more um, and and trying to keep that that balance um, between energy in and energy out um and it's still still the thing that probably has the biggest room for improvement um but it certainly has improved massively i'm i'm a much i'm much more conscientious about fueling um around training um i um i i yeah when i'm when appetite isn't there um i'm much more likely to force force something down um whereas in the past you know i'd um, appetite might, might not be there. I'd go and work, I'd get busy and then all of a sudden I haven't eaten for eight or nine hours. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of the team. I've got some coaches, some physios and, and I've been really fortunate to that most of them, um, have all, all familiar with know each other and, and have, um, worked together in some way, shape or form. And I've just kind of facilitated either by, um, you know, setting up some meetings or phone calls or emails and, and making sure that we're kind of all working towards the same thing and, and sort of have, you know, doing, doing, you know, working, yeah, essentially like not um, doing conflicting things that might, might get in the way of each other. Yeah. Always important when people are on the same page and yeah. with the multi just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Disciplinary team in place with the lessons that you've learned along the way. I'm curious to know how a 5k Olympian trains. So what does your weekly structure look like? And, um, what, what, what sort of, um, running volumes and those sorts of things does does your week consist of yeah um well i'll i'll tell you what i what it looks like currently it's um it's looked different at different parts in different parts of my career and um certainly in the past i've i've had much higher volumes and um and you know where it is now is probably a reflection of just where i am in my kind of fitness journey and and also um, just that my life's a bit different to how it was five, six years ago. Um, there's a bit more going on outside of running, but, um, I just, as of the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm now running every day. Um, I spent most of this year having a day off, um, each week and, and I've now included a, a very easy recovery run on a Saturday now, which had been my, um, my, my day off, um, for the last little bit, but yeah, Monday, uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday and Saturday are all recovery run days. So, um, 
pretty pretty easy pace running. Um, I now run a lot slower on my recovery days than I I did twelve months ago, um, and and I think that's been one of the strategies we've used to re-add volume back into my training a little bit more safely. Um, you know, in the beginning it felt painfully slow, but now I quite like running um, 440 pace. For, um, I was going to ask what the actual pace was. That could be quite yeah. fast for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, again, you, it's, it's in context. I know, I know for some people that'll be, that'll be really fast and, and, and for others that'll be really slow, but um, Mine is no, six and I, a half minutes, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> so yeah, it's four, a good yeah, two minutes four, slower. Four, four forty per k is about seven thirty per mile, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I I would more typically have run recovery runs between four minute pace and four twenty pace. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's at least just one of those like safeguarding. Um, uh, strategies to yeah be able to add more volume without um, putting too much extra pounding through the legs. You run slower and it's it's less pounding on the body. So that's my Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, Tuesday and Friday. I do do some do some like workouts. So um, most of the year it's just been some um, sort of longer interval, shorter recoveries, um, K reps. Um, is it's usually some variation of that on a Tuesday. Um, so kind of like a three to roughly a three to one work to rest ratio. Um, and then, and then Fridays has been, um, slightly lower intensity, more continuous running, but, um, what most people would call threshold or, or tempo running. Um, so historically that's, I've always, well, for a long time, usually hovered around sort of a 30 minute tempo or threshold run, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then more recently we've, we've been playing around with just breaking that up a little bit. So, um, doing some five and six and seven minute intervals and still the same, the same paces. Um, but just kind of throwing in some little recoveries along the way, clicking the reset button and, and, um, and just kind of getting through the sessions with, you know, relatively a little less stress on the body, but still the same, same volume in the legs. Um, and then, yeah, Sunday's my long run. Um, I, um, uh, yeah, I typically will go a little bit quicker for that. Um, more like what my, my old sort of easy paces would be. So might be closer to four minute pace if it was on a, on a flat, flat trail. Um, but just depends on how I'm feeling. And so if I'm feeling pretty tired and beat up, I might go a little bit slower. Um, and then, um, yeah, now, uh, I've got, um, an easy 30 minute double on Tuesday, Thursday, uh, and Friday. Um, and then I do gym on Mondays and Wednesdays, which, um, yeah, pretty, pretty similar program each day. Um, some subtle variations, which yeah, usually takes me, um, yeah, about an hour and 15 roughly. What do you go to exercises? Um, I, yeah, I look, it's, it, it's, it's evolved over time. And, um, I, I guess I'm in my phase now of, I, I like really simple exercises. Um, I kind of like machines because particularly like if I'm prescribing exercises, um, 
I, I just, I think, I try and think quite simplistically and, and think tissue capacity, um, and, and like load, load exposure and, and, and trying to, yeah, in a lot of cases, just kind of shift that balance so that people have more capacity. And, and so I love, I love the seated calf raise machine. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's targets a, a, a muscle in the body that's probably exposed to more load with running than any other muscle. Um, certainly when we're, uh, certainly when we're, you know, jogging or, or, or running fast, maybe not sprinting, but, um, that's definitely a go-to, but, um, I also love, I love leg presses. Um, I love knee extension machines. I like, yeah, simple things. And, um, and, and again, just with the idea of, um, of exposing people to, to heavier loads, um, and also just like takes a bit of brain power out of it. I like being able to just go into the gym and, um, and just think about pushing things really, really hard. And, um, there are some exercises where, yeah, there's a bit more technique to it and a bit more finesse, but, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in that phase at the moment where I like the simple, the really simple things. <laughs> yeah. What about your training schedule and structure around about the timing with Olympics? Like how, what does that look like? Yeah. I, um, so, I mean, I don't even, I'm not sure whether, you know, Paris 2024 is a, a realistic prospect for me yet. Um, it's certainly something that, um, I'm working towards, but I think, um, more realistically, I, I'm just trying to get better than I currently am. Um, and I'm not sure where that, where I'll land with that. Um, one, cause I'm a bit older and, and two, just cause, um, yeah, life's looks, looks a little bit different for me now than it did um, you know, three, four years ago. Um, but it's, it won't change much from what it is now. Um, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the improvement that comes doesn't necessarily come from changing the training. It just comes from accumulating more and more weeks of, of the same stuff and, and just continually building layers, layers, you know, there'll be subtle things that change with, you know, what we do with some of our, our, our key workouts. Um, and it'll probably start to include some, some faster stuff and some stuff on the track once, once the time comes, but, um, you know, that foundation stuff will, will probably still remain there, um, you know, between now and, and over the next 12 months, um, one way or another. So, um, it won't change too much. Um, just be subtle changes. Um, I'm hoping uh, the the volume of my training will still go up a little bit, um, and you know I've I'm for I'm fortunate with my um, my work setup is that I can um, that I've got some flexibility there. So the plan will also be to um, go and do some training camps as well, where it's um, yeah the only thing that really changes is it just optimizing your recovery a little bit more, um, less distractions, um, but still a lot of the, the same, the same training. So how do you optimize your recovery? Um, a lot of it's stress management. <laughs> yeah. Um, like daily stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think just, um, you know, I think it's, it's very, if I've learned anything, it's very hard to separate. Um, it's hard to compartmentalize, 
all the different sources of stress in your life, whether that's from your run training or your gym training or, you know, work stress and, 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 and things like that. So I think a lot of it's, um, is, is, yeah, trying to, um, yeah, at least during the day, you know, we're awake from, we're awake for a good 15, 16 hours each day. Um, and the time that we devote to, you know, certainly training is only a small fraction of that. Um, you know, at the moment I, I have a lot of work and, and, and things to kind of, um, keep my mind, um, kind of calm and, and focused on other things, um, while I'm doing that. And then that probably shifts a little bit if I'm on a training camp and have a little bit more idle time. Um, but, um, that's kind of the theme of it. And then, you know, what are the important ingredients to stress management? Um, sleep's the most important ingredient. So, um, and, I th- and I think also just having some, um, some structure and, and routine around, around sleep, um, can cert- I, th- I think that certainly helps with, um, getting the quality out of it that you, that you want to. Um, but yeah, also just, um, I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche, but on a day-to-day basis, just staying a bit more present with whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's the, the training session that you've got or, you know, the client that's in front of you or the, um, you know, the coaching program that you've, you've got to do. Um, I think at least for me, uh, and I think probably for a lot of people, um, stress and anxiety at the end of the day stems from a, a preoccupation from anything other than what's in front of you at the, at the, at the time. And so usually when, when you're focused on what's in front of you, it's, um, life's a little bit simpler and, and, uh, that's what I aspire to. <laughs> I don't always get it right, but, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly something I have to think about and, and be a bit more conscious about. Um, cause little things like that just, yeah, it, um, in, in, in one instance doesn't make a big difference, but you know, the accumulation of it over time, you know, you know, it might just be that you you're not quite as recovered for your next session as you could be, um, and you know you add a few of those on top of each other, and um, you know maybe maybe you start to your body starts to wear down a little bit, and you just you just get out of that that fine balance between stress and recovery, between energy and energy out, um, and and when you're trying to when your aspirations are at quite a high level. Um, you're, the reality of what we do is you're always kind of treating you that knife's edge. So, um, so it's, it's always a risk, but, um, you, you try and take calculated risks and they're a bit more calculated when you get older and a little wiser. <laughs> yeah. I think that about like ultra runners as well, just because their volume is simply so high that they need to really, really respect and enhance their recovery. They need to manage their stress more. They just need to prioritize it on such a, a high level just because purely they just have to operate um, with higher mileage. And I guess it, it's obviously the same for, for elites as well. Yeah. And, and of course, um, you know, um, nutrition and diets, another thing we, we, we probably didn't touch on there, but that's, that's obviously, I mean, the big, the big foundations, I think are your, are your sleep and, and, and what you're, what you're putting into your body when, when we're thinking about recovery. Um, yeah. So yeah, when you just think about the, um, simplistic steps, it's energy in energy out and trying to absorb your training load with recovery. And so, you know, 
you can't get energy in, you have to eat and yeah. you can't absorb the training without sleep. It's the best recovery tool you have. And so yeah. I'm yeah. glad that you highlight those foundations there. Yeah. Um, I want to throw a scenario at you. So let's just say you're in the peak of your training. You've got um, an Olympic event and you're as fit as you can be. You are 30 minutes away from the 5K event. How do you warm up to try and get the best performance out of yourself? Yeah, I mean, if you if you're doing it right, it, it sh- probably shouldn't vary too much from what you what you usually do. Um, <laughs> always practice, always practice uh, what you what you're going to do when when the time counts. But yeah, I mean, um, I guess yeah, having having been there th- thirty minutes out, um, you're probably starting to get towards the end of your your kind of jogging usually you're doing some jogging to warm up um usually you're doing some drills and strides and um and i think like uh, i think it is it is different for everyone everyone's wired a little bit differently um everyone thrives um with probably varying degrees of um of of motivation and energy and um you know i've generally my my um my routine usually um, involves more, uh, around calming myself down rather than pumping myself up. Um, so, and, and especially when you find yourself on an Olympic stage where, um, you know, the, the occasion is, is not lost on you. (laughs) Um, you've, you, you've spent four years, um, kind of preparing for that moment. So, um, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of nerves around that and, and, and so, part of what you're doing probably 30 minutes out is, is just making sure that those nerves stay in check. They're, they're there for a good reason. And, um, and you're grateful that they're there because, um, it, it means that you care about what happens next. Um, but you just, you're managing them so that they, they don't sabotage your, your performance. And, um, yeah, I think certainly like I, I look back on my first Olympics and, and it probably did, um, I, you know, I probably didn't have a great plan going into the race, um, but certainly my nerves um, got in the way of, you know, any semblance of a plan at that point. And then I think, um, you know, when I went to Rio, I had a plan and I managed to um, stay quite quite calm and relaxed and um, and just more excited than than shitting my pants beforehand so um and and so it's little things like that and and the only way to really know how to to do that is you you just have to experience it and um and you know whether it's at the olympics or whether it's at some other big race um or some event that that you care about that makes you nervous um and kind of going through those steps and really doesn't change much whether i'm lining up at a you know a, a Athens Victoria cross country meet or, or the Olympics, there's always nerves there. Um, you, you always care about the result. Um, we're we're always our own harshest critic, and and um, uh, but yeah, you you and and look sometimes you you know it's like like any um, ability skill um, level of fitness um, if you're not if you're not uh, training it and, and sharpening it and using it um, regularly, um, it, it can, it can elude you. Um, 
And so a lot, like a lot of those things, it takes practice as well. And, you know, I've, um, I've still got a bit of practicing to do if, if I, if I want to have any chance of, of being, being uh, at another Olympics next year. So Yeah. You mentioned Rio, you came in with a plan. Are we talking like mid-race plans? Are we talking like just your training plans? What was that? Yeah, yeah, both. Um, you know, it's it's having a um, an appreciation um, of how the race could could unfold, um, and then knowing how you're going to respond in in different situations. Um, and uh, you know, Rio was a um, pain, painfully slow race early on. Um, you know, we were I think we were doing probably barely under three minute Ks, um, for the first sort of mile 2K of the race. And then, you know, the pace started to pick up and, and, um, you know, I, I remember actually warming up for that. And, um, my coach Nick came over and, and said, there's a good chance they're going to be running it at like a twenty six thirty tempo from the gun. So don't get swept up in it. Um, and so that was one possibility and that was definitely not what, what eventuated, um, so you kind of had to, either way, the common theme was just staying relaxed and, and, um, and trying to keep as even a tempo as, as possible and, um, you know, following moves, but, you know, not doing anything too suddenly. And, um, you know, for the most part, I, I executed reasonably well, um, in, in Rio, like the pace did pick up and, um, I, I did, miss a, a a gap that formed between two groups which um eventually got back onto but probably wasted a little bit of energy which when it kind of kicked down again probably meant that I was um a little bit off but um you know for for the most part yeah there's there's just having an appreciation of what could happen and and um what is what is the best way for you to get to the finish line um feeling proud of what you've done um you know i think that was always that's always been the kind of the aspirational um advice from my coach before big races is like run run a race that you you'll be able to cross the line and, and be proud of um and that's a bit more independent of you know results or times or, or finishing places um and most of the time those things take take care of themselves if you if you get the first part right which is running something you'd be proud of and um and and that involves yeah being focused and and um being adaptable but always but also sticking to a plan as best as you can and we kind of did the same approach in in Tokyo and you know it's the same thing it's like you know I probably got it about 80 85% right um and you know in rio it was a straight final so there wasn't much to um on the line after that um in tokyo it, it cost cost me a, a spot in the final by half a second um but um that's that's the nature of running at le- that level is you um you you're running against the best in the world and there's really no room for error particularly when you're <laughs> at my level i'm i'm not necessarily a uh, don't pretend to be an uh, aspiring Olympic gold medalist, but um, yeah. It's a such an interesting sport where someone who's none the wiser just be like, oh yeah, the fastest person would, 
you know, you just try and run your PB every time or when you're out there, you just run at your tempo that you know that you'll stick to and that you'll get the best result. But there's so much jostling. There's so much like mid-race tactics. You can slow down and sort of lead a pack but go slower so that you have more kick at the end or you can steam out ahead early on and try and get the, the gas out of everyone else's legs so that they have no kick and that sort of stuff. There's so much tactics that goes into it. Um, yeah. It seems like on your side of things, you're more just trying to keep calm, remain calm and not overreact to certain other strategies. Would, I, would that be fair to say? Yeah. And, and again, like just to really simplify it, the only thing that matters is yeah, at that level is, is what order you're finishing at the end. That's the only thing that's being awarded. So um, what happens up until that, that point where you start, you cross the line at the end um, doesn't matter too much. But, um, you know, sometimes particularly when you're, if you're nervous or less experienced or, um, you know, just make mistakes, sometimes you can just waste energy um, trying to race too much early on um but really what you're trying to do is you're trying to race at the end and 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 get across that line before as many people as possible so um just recognizing that um you know there are different stages of the race as well um it's got a beginning a middle and an end um and so you know the the beginning is about settling the middle is about um uh positioning and then the ends um about you know opening up the throttle and, and racing so um yeah kind of yeah simplifying it to that as well um puts in context a little bit particularly when you're in the race and you're in the throngs of a stressful situation and and being able to go yeah i'm going to follow that move or no nah, i'm just gonna i'm i'm feeling uncomfortable now let's just try and keep this tempo even and, and stuff like that when you are feeling uncomfortable like are there any go-to like cues or do you focus on something? Are you saying a, a mantra in your head or are you just trying to keep calm um, or anything about like internal cues about how you're placing your foot or how you're pushing off or anything like that that you focus on? Um, nothing consistent. No, no, I don't have any go. I don't have go-tos. I've, I've used different strategies at different points in my career. Um and but yeah it's an it's an inevitable part of 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 racing is is that you do it does get to a point where that sort of the discomfort level um gets high enough where you you start to have to negotiate a little bit with with uh with with your mind um and so you know at some parts of my career um and i think this is jet like I think it's it's probably a pretty common ingredient is that you you do need a certain there needs to be a certain amount of confidence um uh to because because if you if you have a confidence and belief in yourself when things do get tough you you have a little bit more power and sway to to not kind of give in to to when it's getting uncomfortable and 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 falling into that urge to slow down um you know, certainly, um, I have at times used whether it's mantras or, or just kind of like a, um, you know, I remember in 2021 when, um, you know, I'd, I'd had a couple of bad races and I was really, I was really intent on, on turning around that sort of, um, 
I guess that little bit of mental weakness when 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 things were getting tough and and so I kind of just um I, I just decided I just made the decision that I was going to do the exact opposite of how I was feeling so so when it got really really uncomfortable that's when I was going to really take charge um of the situation um and and just not giving myself the opportunity to to negotiate in 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 that situation and and that's that's a you know that that's I guess a, a strategy in its own is is um, you know what do you do when when things get tough and um, and practicing it you know it's like we we mentioned earlier is that any any skill or, or level of fitness um, if you if you want it to um, improve or, or stay around you've got to keep sharpening it you've got to keep training it and so um, you know, and that's you, you do that a little bit in training um but you also you you practice it each time you race um mm. and it's often the case that yeah the particularly when i've been injured and come back after long injury layoffs often the f- the first few races are a bit rusty just because it's you're getting reacquainted and, and trying to remember what to do and 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 what you're capable of when things start getting uncomfortable yeah you sort of need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in certain situations or like um at least recognize the feelings so that you don't actually like freak out and have like convince yourself that you need to slow down um but when it comes to i guess running it could also be done outside of running like you could do like cross training and have like a really intense cross training session where it gets hard or like a strength training workout and those sorts of things and I, i could just see a lot of runners myself included, like as soon as it gets a little bit hard, you just convince yourself, oh, it's too hard, let me slow down. I, even just like when I do gym sessions and structure like a five round doing chest press, shoulder press, box jumps, kettlebell swings, and then, okay, 15 minutes as fast as I can go. As soon as it gets a bit tough, I'm like, oh, I'll slow down. As soon as it gets to like 30 seconds left, I'm like, oh, I don't need to do a few more. That's, that's done. Like, But I guess trying to, for runners who want to improve and get into those sort of... Um, moments you sort of need to convince yourself who's in charge am i going to um slow down at the very first moment of things getting uncomfortable no you should like get comfortable with letting your body know who's the boss and sort of pushing beyond that and um yeah get comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah for sure and, and i think um i mean if you're racing you it's it's the only certainty is that it will get uncomfortable um I think if it if it doesn't, you're probably not doing it right. If if you're racing, um, and that's not that's not necessarily everyone's relationship with running and and what everyone does, but um, for for those that do race, like that's a that's a certainty. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and so it's not an it's not an if or a when. It's a certainty, and it's just. Um. I think acknowledging that alone um gives you kind of the foundation to start practicing things that, um get you a little bit better at negotiating with yourself and um and and sticking to a rhythm and you know whether it's you know when things get uncomfortable and and finding the the runner that's in front of you and just kind of trying to copy their stride um trying to hold the the distance between you and them just focusing on that focusing on something external for some people that that works um, for some people, focusing internally and 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 that internal dialogue, um, that that might be the strategy. And and yeah, it just takes it takes practice, and some will respond to one, others to another. And um, but the best way to know is yeah to try it. And the best place to try it is 
certainly when you're racing, um, when you're training, particularly if you're doing hard training, usually you're, you're stopping every few minutes if you're doing intervals. So that's a much easier place to, to train it, but it's a good starting point. And then, yeah, you might find less important races to, to just try sharpening those skills. And then, yeah, when your, your A races or your big races come up, um, hopefully you're a little bit better positioned. Yeah, well said, mate. Well, as your experience as a, an elite runner, but also as a running coach as well, I want to finish up by asking if you had someone, a runner, recreational runner, just wanting to train and get the fastest 5K possible, what would be your suggestions, what they should, what they should do? <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, very hard question to answer. There's, um, like with anyone, there's always context and, and um um, but you know, as an overarching theme, which I think I see in a lot of athletes, um, and particularly runners that, are maybe newer to, to running, um, which is a lot of people in the kind of post COVID era, um, is, is learn to run slow. Um, that's, that's probably a, it's almost, I, I would al- almost go as far as saying it's a skill. Um, I think, uh, some people arrive to running um, with a conception that, that running's meant to be hard um, and that if if you're not out of breath and uncomfortable, then you're not doing it right, um, which I don't think is the case. I think running should be should the vast majority of, of running, whether you're an elite runner or, or a recreational runner, should be enjoyable, easy, conversational. Um, and so that's probably a foundation area if, that I, that I start with with a lot of people is just making sure that their easy runs are easy um, and mastering those because, um, you know, if we know anything about um, distance running performance and, um, and you know, the, the process of getting better and faster, um, the, the, the most reliable metric um, that seems to correlate with it is volume, training volume. And so if that's what our goal is to increase someone's training volume, what's the, the safest way to do that um, is do it with, with lots of slow running um, because, you know, where all of those physiological adaptations occur, um, you know, a lot of them happen when you're running easy. You don't have to run really, really hard to, to see a lot of those, you know, those changes in, you know, um, tendon stiffness, um, muscle capillarization, um, aerobic um, capacity and, you know, um, enzyme profiles and all of that fancy stuff. Um, it, it can be really simple, easy running. So that's, that's probably a foundation that maybe people miss, miss early on and, 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 and is worth, uh, worth, um, yeah, getting, getting right. Um, one, yeah. one, because you, you'll, you'll more quickly, learn to love running um because you'll be realize that it's doesn't actually always have to be uncomfortable and 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 a slog and um something that you have to dread um and and if that's the case then you're more likely to do it more often and actually accumulate that volume accumulate those weeks those months those years of running that yeah improve your 5k performance um yeah there's some other ingredients obviously to the mix but that's where i'd be starting And it's such a funny thing that you you say running slow is a skill and I a hundred percent agree with you. I've seen so many people, 
pick up running late in life. Like a lot of listeners of this podcast, they've started running in their thirties and, or even later and don't really have much of an idea about it. They just watch runners. They, um, they think that it should be hard. They think it should be fast. They think they should be getting faster. I know when I started running, I was trying to run fast, my fastest. I was trying to PB every time I went out for a training run. I'd just be, to be like four or five K. Oh, let me try and get faster. Let me try and get faster. And yeah, uh, that's when I got injured the most <laughs> and it's not sustainable. But like you said, people quickly fall out of love. It's just, it's a grind every training. People don't like it, but um, yeah, learning to run slow, learning to have that conversational, really easy sort of intensity. Um, re- like not only the love, therefore comes consistency, there comes long-term commitments and those sorts of things, but yeah. Yeah, it's the foundation for a more sustainable relationship with running Um, and, yeah, enjoying it more more often than you maybe resent it, which, uh, you know, there's plenty of people that really don't like running. (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder wonder whether maybe if they, maybe if they learnt to run slow, maybe, or even, you know, do walk jog intervals. Um, You know, a lot of, a lot of seasoned runners will hate the idea of a walk jog interval, but um you know that can be a really nice way to to introduce someone to running and 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 to show them that hey can actually be it doesn't have to be uncomfortable yeah um as we finish up talk to me about this Northside collective community you've got going on like where can people um learn more about it and what's involved yeah so i think it's a it's a i think it is and always will be a, a work in progress at um it was something I, I started uh, uh, nearly two years ago um, as it just, it started as a community run each week, um, a Friday Friday night run that started and finished at a brewery. And um, we've always had a, um, a wide array of paces and, and um, we, we do have a loop that we do, but we always, um, we, no one has a drink until everyone's back. So, um, yeah, it's a, a, it was a community first approach to, um, to, to running. And, um, I think when I started it, um, it was more of a, um, a a curiosity and, and, and wanting to learn a little bit more about, um, the, the wider run community. Um, I think I, I certainly have spent my, the better part of the last 20 years around runners, but a lot of it in a more of a high performance setting. And, um, and, you know, I spent a lot of the last, the, the first year of just going to these Friday runs and, um, and having conversations with people, um, you know, really just enjoying, um, seeing people make friends and, and, and look forward to this kind of, this social run at the end of the week. Like my theory behind it was, was like, who doesn't like a Friday night? Um, you know, you, you typically, you know, it's a, a time of time of celebration each week, the end of the, the week. And what better way to kind of celebrate it than with some endorphins and, you know, um, gathering afterwards and, and having a meal or, or sharing a drink or whatever, whatever your, whatever your preference was. And, um, and so, you know, from that, um, you know, I, I started to, I guess, realize that, you know, across all whatever people's relationship with, with, with running was, whether that included wanting to do events and races and, and, 
whether performance was part of the equation, um, what invariably was always part of the equation was that it was running was at least a vehicle to being better in some way, shape or form, whether it was being a better runner or, or having better mental health. Um, bed, better, better and betterment was always part of the equation. And so um, that's kind of what I've, what I latched onto and, and it's kind of um, formed part of what we, what, what we try to do, which I guess the, the mission or, 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 or what we aspire, our, our aspiration is, is to, um, is to nurture and, and, and build more capable um, or runners that feel more capable um, and feel more connected. You know, we talked about how do you build a sustainable relationship with running you know, maybe running slower, but, but also connecting over it as well. That's a massive part of it. You know, a lot of people took up running during COVID during a time of isolation and then, you know, given the opportunity to do it more socially. And it's like, that's why people are still running post COVID and haven't gone back to the gyms. Um, Cause there's that, there's that massive opportunity there to connect. And so that's kind of what we latch onto. We, we try and, you know, use those values in terms of our coaching. Um, so we do offer coaching um, and and we have in-person runs in, in kind of the inner north part of Melbourne, open to everyone, both the runs are free. Um, we've got a, yeah, like I mentioned, the, the, the original um, Friday afternoon beer run and then we've got a, a Thursday um, structured session at, at Princess Park, which um yeah more recently we had a few a few marathon specific sessions just in the lead up to melbourne marathon but um yeah it's a work in progress i'm not sure what it'll be in another few years but um it's been a good excuse to kind of yeah just keep staying connected to running and and um yeah share share i guess my um my my skills and um experience in in any way i can Cool. And what about the run coach side of things? Do you do online coaching? Do you see internationals as well? Like how do people find out more about that? Yeah. So we, we, we do online based coaching. So we program online. Um, we, so I've, we, we now have three coaches. Um, so myself and, and two others, Simon Holt and Sarah J. Amaha. So, um, we, I, I guess we, even though it is online based coaching, we, we really pride us like the, the thing that we love the most is kind of the in-person thing. So in that same theme, we, we try and make sure that with all our athletes that we are, we are regularly connecting like face to face. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be in person for, for people in Melbourne, but, um, I've got athletes in, uh, in the UK and, and in New Zealand and, and across Australia and, and, um, and yeah, at least once a month where we're catching up over the phone or over zoom and, and, um, yeah, making sure that there's, again, we've, we're cultivating that connection there and it's not just a, not just an online program where everything's kind of, um, just thrown on a page and, and, you know, the odd email here and there. Um, so yeah, online based coaching, but yeah, obviously it's we 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 make it accessible for for anyone in the world. It's um, and then you have the advantage of if you're in Melbourne, you can come to some of our group sessions. Cool, mate. Well, I'll be sure to include all the social media links and the website and everything in the show notes if people are 
curious and want to learn more. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and insights into your training, um, both now and, you know, the your past and now future goals. I'll keep a, a close eye on how things develop over the next year or so. And um, yeah, best of luck for the future. Yeah, thanks, Brody. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20-minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk, and increase your performance. If emails aren't for you, consider my Facebook group, Instagram, and YouTube channels. And remember, each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough.